Hey there, folks. Welcome to E Pluribus Unum, a podcast where we talk about culture, religion, how to be better people, how to connect to the people around us better, politics. We talk about a little bit of everything, all ultimately focused on the goal of bringing people together in good ways. I think I offer a unique perspective on some issues that everyone's talking about. And if it's not a different perspective, hopefully a clearer perspective, or just another voice, because I do think it's important for everyone's opinion to be shared. And then we get to sort through all of the opinions to figure out what makes sense to us, what's true, what's not true, what's good, and what's bad. I've been doing two podcasts a week, two episodes a week. I was going to go down to one, but my husband, and by my husband, I obviously mean my millions of adoring fans, insisted that I stick with two. And who am I to let down my fans? So despite the fact that I am busy, I am going to schedule my life better so that I can talk to you two times a week. Because if I didn't do it two times a week, it would be once a week, but it would be very long episodes because I have so many things to share with you. So it's probably better that I split it into two and keep them reasonable, manageable podcast length because I do have a lot to talk about and a lot of questions to ask you, like this one. Why is Duolingo so woke? Duolingo is an app that is used to learn languages, and I use it and I love it. They just added a new language, Yiddish, and I'm very excited because I've wanted to learn Yiddish for years, and now there's a handy-dandy little app on my phone that I can use. I've been using it for other languages, but I'm very excited about Yiddish. So it's a great app. It has all sorts of languages. I've been doing Hebrew and Yiddish. They have Spanish, French, Russian, Italian, Finnish, Hawaiian, High Valyrian, if you're really into Game of Thrones. They have a lot of languages. But they also have articles about Women's History Month, about Black History Month. They have fan art that's about Black people, fan art about women, and I'm sure other groups that call themselves victims. Okay, Duolingo, as I mentioned, is an app that teaches languages from all over the world. How could it possibly be more diverse than that? And yet they feel the need to preach at you. When you're already trying to improve yourself as a person by learning another language, by getting some insight into another culture, they're trying to make you, they're trying to preach at you to be even more inclusive. And of course, the problem isn't Duolingo. The problem is everywhere. Why, when I go onto the Bath and Body Works website to order some new scented candles, am I told at the top that they're committed to justice and inclusion? Or when I'm going to Home Goods and I want to buy something cute for my apartment, I have to be told that they're committed to racial justice? I mean, good, fine, be committed to it. But are you maybe taking yourself a little too seriously? Again, you're selling me scented candles. Disney also just released a whole bunch of new rules, or really they're relaxing a bunch of their rules for their cast members. It used to be, I used to work at Disneyland, it was very strict about how you had to look. Your hair had to be a natural color, it had to be a normal cut, you couldn't show tattoos, you couldn't wear themed earrings, you know, just something very basic and small. I couldn't even put a navy blue ribbon in my hair because... It wasn't approved Disney look. But now, 
They're going to allow some visible tattoos. They're going to allow people to choose costumes based on their, based on the gender that they identify with as opposed to maybe their biological sex. They're going to be more lax about how people decorate themselves, essentially. And of course, this is all couched in being more inclusive and open-minded and allowing people to express themselves, which are not bad values. People should be allowed to express themselves. People can dress however they want. But it's sort of like Disney has forgotten why those rules were created in the first place. Those rules were not created to squelch people's personalities. Those rules were created to set a scene. When one works at Disneyland, one is called a cast member. When we're working, we say that we're on stage. Whereas if we're in a break room, we're backstage. And the clothing we wore wasn't a uniform. It was a costume. Because when people are visiting Disneyland, they're entering a fantasy world. They're entering a story. And we as the cast members are part of that story. So the way we looked was supposed to add to and enhance from that story, not detract from it because we have a Wiccan pentagon tattooed on our wrist that now when people come to ride the Little Mermaid ride, they're going to see and be taken out of the story. I do mind that Disney is being lax on their rules, but ultimately it's up to them. But I just wish that the people who are making these new rules would understand what they were there to do in the first place. And I feel, and I feel like that happens so much that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't even understand why we're throwing the bathwater out in the first place. Disney is now also adding a new key for its cast members. So it used to be when you were trained as a cast member, there were four keys, safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. These were the four guidelines to help a cast member make a decision. So if they're trying to make a decision, the first thing, is it safe? Okay, yes. Is it courteous? Yes. Is it show? Is it within the story? And then is it efficient? If it was all those things, that would help to make a decision. That was, Those were the guiding principles. Well, they've now added a new key, and it's the third key now, inclusion. Was inclusion not included in courtesy? Was it courteous before to not include people? And by the way, who was not included? Have you ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? The cast members are of all ages and from all over the world, especially at Disney World, but at Disneyland too, speak a variety of languages or a variety of body types, a variety of sexual orientations and sexual preferences and all those things. And the guests are literally from all over the world. So what about Disney was not inclusive? This sort of reminds me of the theater where I used to work, which is now calling itself an anti-racist theater. Good for them, but also if I had known when I got hired that they weren't already anti-racist, I don't think I would have wanted to work there. Are all these organizations now calling themselves anti-racist? Were they not before? Because that feels like maybe there should be some soul-searching going on. And I know that anti-racist is just some silly, meaningless, woke term. And I actually prefer anti-racism as opposed to anti-racist. Because anti-racist, racist is a human. And while I probably would not want to have a racist at my birthday party, I don't necessarily want to be an anti-racist because I would rather have a conversation with someone like that and try to change their mind. It might not be effective, Again, I'm probably not going to have a racist as a friend or even an acquaintance, but I'm not going to be anti a human, but anti-racism, that's a different situation. Anyway, I seem to have veered a little off topic, which was about companies preaching at us about how to be good people. I don't, I don't go shopping to be told how to be a good person. That's what shul is for. That's what church. That's what parents are for. 
let me come in, buy my cute clothes, and be on my merry way. Can companies just go back to selling the best product and trying to do the best job at what they do instead of trying to preach at us or virtue signal and tell us that we're not good people? No offense, but if a majority of your products are made in China or other countries where you're most likely exploiting workers. I walked into Target the other day and they were promoting their clothes that love the earth, but all of their clothes were made in China. If you favor the earth over humans, you don't have a right to preach at me. You just don't. And actually, unless you're a rabbi or a preacher or an imam, you really don't have the right to preach at other people because you know what? We are all flawed human beings. None of us is perfect. We're all sinners, which I know is very Christian language, but it's true. We all sin. We all make mistakes. We all have things to work on. And some huge multinational company who probably is polluting the earth and might actually literally be exploiting workers because the majority of their stuff is made in China or other places. Yeah, don't don't tell me how to be. And yes, I am complaining about big business. My liberal alter ego, Heather, is a little bit bothered by my complaints and she has something to say. Um, okay, I understand that you like are talking about business, but here's the thing. You've always been a capitalist, so you always talk about how great big business is and um, how you're so much more concerned about big government than big business, that like big government is what we need to be afraid of and business should just be allowed to do what they want to do. Thank you, Heather. First of all, I would like to say I'm not a capitalist. I'm a free marketist. I'm rebranding myself and I'm trying to also rebrand the Republican Party and the conservative movement. The left is really good at it, and we kind of stink at it. But what we have to say is true, and what we have to say is good. We just have to figure out how to say it better. And most of us, if we thought about it, we really are free marketists. Free marketers will work on the wording. But most of us, what we really love is the free market, not capital. Capital is what makes it possible. But what we love is the freedom, people being allowed to sell their products and buy products as they see fit. So first of all, I'm a free marketist. But secondly, yes, Heather, you are correct. I am now complaining about big business, whereas in past conversations with friends, I would say that government is the problem and they would say, well, business is scary too. In the past, business, you know, I, if I wanted to buy a Coke, if I wanted to buy a Pepsi, that was my choice. And if I walked into Old Navy and I didn't find anything I liked, then I could walk right out. But now it's a little bit different because now big business is in bed doing unspeakable things with big government and they are trying to actually get power. And they've always wanted power. And it, this is not totally a new thing. Crony capitalism is not a new phenomenon. But now companies are trying to be involved in the Great Reset because they think that because they run companies, they know how we should run our lives, that they're such virtuous people that they get to tell us how to do things because they've already made their millions and billions that they're going to try to change the landscape so no one else can make their millions and billions. That's power-hungry disgustingness. I have nothing against companies and CEOs making millions. Call a kavod, congratulations, make more and more money. But don't stop other people from making money. Don't cut people out, don't change the rules now that you've benefited from them. Share how other people can benefit from them. It's actually really repulsive that people would want to change the rules after benefiting from them. But that's just only one way that big business is completely problematic and now scary. What about the fact that different opinions or just different thoughts 
or questions about COVID-19 can get a YouTube channel blocked or posts can be taken down on Facebook. I go to Facebook so I can look at someone from middle school and say, oh my goodness, I look so much better than she does. I don't go on Facebook for medical advice. For medical advice, I go to a doctor. And if there are doctors on Facebook telling me that hydroxychloroquine is great and some other doctor saying it's not, well, then I can listen and take advice from a video I found online, or I could go to my doctor and say, oh, I heard these two different opinions. Do you have a thought on it? And by the way, even if I am the kind of person to make my decisions about things based on YouTube videos, because you know what? Millions of people do that these days. Shouldn't I be allowed to? Like, who does Facebook think they are that they get to make decisions about what people believe and what kind of information? Facebook is not a doctor. They're not scientists. Oh my God, it's so stupid. I literally can't even. Ooh, literally can't even. That was a little bit of Heather coming out of me. Anyway, business, and especially small businesses, they should be able to live well and thrive, as Kaiser would say. But big businesses trying to preach at us, trying to control us, trying to force through legislation has always been bad and continues to be bad and unfortunately is getting worse. New topic. Did you like the music I put in there? I've been... I've been playing around with it, trying to make it a little bit more interesting to go from topic to topic. Anyway, I had to get a COVID test yesterday for a new job. No big deal. So I made an appointment online. To make the appointment, I had to tell them, in addition to my name, age, and address, which is a little bit annoying, but okay, everyone already knows everything about us. I had to tell them my race, my gender, my sexual orientation, and the language I speak at home and whether or not I'm Hispanic. First of all, haven't I answered whether or not I'm Hispanic when I've told you my race? I've never really understood why I specifically need to answer yes or no to the Hispanic, but not yes or no to every other thing. I find that one weird. Anyway, does it matter if I'm a bisexual Laotian who speaks Finnish or a lesbian Norwegian who speaks Esperanto if all you're going to do is stick a Q-tip up my nostrils for five seconds? Now, this is a real question. Does it matter? Maybe there's some medical reason that the Q-tip interacts differently with lesbian boogers than it does with straight boogers, but I'm guessing not. I'm guessing that this is something about the government trying to say, look, we are so inclusive and we're getting the word out about COVID tests and everyone's getting it. Or the opposite, saying it's only a bunch of white people getting tests and other people don't know about tests and aren't we a terrible country or something dumb like that. So it's dumb. So I lied. And while I don't believe in lying in most circumstances, I lied. First of all, I don't think it's their business to know what language I speak at home or to know my race. First of all, they'll sort of figure it out when they see me. But also, if there's no medical reason, it shouldn't matter. My gender, my sexual orientation, my race, none of this matters. When you're sticking a Q-tip up my nose, to see whether or not I have COVID. And by the way, none of this matters for like 99% of what we do in life. Actually, I'm gonna up that. It doesn't matter for 99.9% of what we do in life. It matters for a few very specific things. For instance, I recently had a genetic test because my husband and I want to have a baby. So they were seeing if I might be a carrier for anything. In that case, the doctor had to know that I am of Ashkenazi Jewish descent, because people of Ashkenazi Jewish descent carry certain specific diseases more commonly than other people do. 
So they had to know. But except in those very rare circumstances, someone's race, someone's country of origin, these things really don't matter. Also, when I was making the appointment to fill out what race I am, it's very interesting. The options are black slash African-American, Middle Eastern, Native American, white, and then a whole bunch of different Asian options. You know, you might be from, I don't remember which one specifically, but I do know that it was a variety of countries and also Pacific Islander had a few different options, you know, Guam, Hawaii, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. They were definitely options as opposed to everything else, which was monolithic. Why are there a variety of Asian options, but monolithic for groups like Middle Eastern or Black or Native American? I actually think there should be a variety of options, but if there's going to be a variety of options for one, there should be a variety of options for everyone. Because if being from China or being from Japan is different, which it certainly is, then being from Russia or being from Spain is also different, just as being from Egypt or Zimbabwe are two different things. And it made me wonder, do we know what race is? We talk about race all the time, but I think it's like a lot of other conversations. We are using terms, but we don't really know what the definition for the terms are, which makes our conversations extremely unproductive because we're talking either at cross purposes or we don't even know what we're talking about ourselves in the first place. But I think that's really true of race. And I don't have an answer to this question, but what is race? Is it our skin color? Is it our country of origin? Is it something biological? Is it something we can choose? Really, what is race? I know we think about it as pure skin color, but that seems so sophomoric and the most meaningless because there's such a wide range. I'm very pale, but my brother could pass as half black. He's technically white, I guess, but is he? And within people who are black, there's a wide range in brown, of course. Actually, once you include brown, you include everyone from my brother to people from Nigeria. Brown is really a wide range. So what is race? If when I'm filling out race on a government form, there are a bunch of different countries, and then sometimes it's a color, that indicates to me that none of us knows what race is which is a further indication to me that it doesn't really mean much except to prove some sort of statistic. I think if we are going to continue to have real discussions about race in this country, which never end up as real discussions about race because it's Republicans and conservatives being yelled at and liberals being high and mighty about how good they are. But if we ever really did want to have a true, honest, open conversation about race, I think we have to figure out what race means. And if I get any say in it, I don't want the term white used anymore. I'm trying to not use it for myself or for other people. I'm a small army of one, but this is my one of my many crusades. I'm not going to use the term white anymore. European. If someone else gets to be African-American or Asian-American, then I get to be European-American. And not just because white now has an unfortunately negative connotation. And I say unfortunately because, again, skin color doesn't mean anything. The fact that I'm pale and someone else is dark should should tell you nothing about either of us, does tell you nothing about either of us. But European-American does tell you a little bit more about me. It tells you where my family came from, maybe some of my cultural influences, maybe some of my biology. So I'm not using white anymore. European. That's my thing. 
join me on it. I think we can change things. Look, we have learned from the left that it's not really about substance. It's about making the arguments well. But as conservatives, we have substance. We just have to figure out how to make the arguments well, and then we can turn the tide and return to a time of civility and reasonableness. And that's all what we, that's what we all want, right? We just want reasonableness and civility and the ability to live our lives as we see fit in an interconnected community. Yes, we are interconnected and the things we do affect other people. So it's not about getting to do whatever we want unless we hurt people. There are frameworks that we live in. We stop at red lights, we go at green. We pull over when emergency vehicles drive by. We put our carts back. We don't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. There are all things, there are rules that we've all figured out that help to make things work. And when you go outside, when you go shopping, you will see people of all skin colors, of all countries of origin, of all sexual orientations, of all ages, of all body types, just going about their day. People aren't yelling at each other. People aren't discriminating against each other. People aren't yelling slurs. People are just getting their lives done. And that's what this is all about. And easiest way to get back to a time of civility and kindness is to always try to be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. You can also find me on Locals at E Pluribus Unum Podcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude, Opus 10, Number 1 in C Major, known as the Waterfall Etude.